FeedForMePoultry.com. I'm Erica Schaefer, Digital Media Senior Editor. Remember the Jetsons? That futuristic nuclear family living life's ups and downs in a high-rise apartment in Orbit City somewhere? That cartoon series debuted in 1962, but the action is set 100 years later in 2062. A future rich in technological advances and innovations such as video calls, flat screen TVs, and delivery drones. Solve that tech sound familiar? The Jetsons also foreshadowed a number of innovations in automated technologies that we use today. Self-propelled vacuum cleaners and lawn mowers, machines that wash our dishes and clothes and cook our food at the press of a few buttons. The development of automated solutions has taken on a new urgency because of the pandemic, especially in the food service segment. Tech companies are responding to the demand. Seattle-based Picnic, a developer of food production technology and robotics as a service solutions, developed a modular assembly line with high-capacity sauce, topping, and granular ingredient dispensers to make pizzas. Spanish company BR5 and Mimcook, which makes precision paella stoves, created a robotic arm and stove combo that can cook paella. And leveraging the power of artificial intelligence, Pasadena, California-based Miso Robotics develops technologies to help food service operators cook food consistently, improve working conditions in restaurant and commercial kitchens, and reduce costs and drive profitability. Its signature product is Flippy, an autonomous kitchen assistant that caught the eye of White Castle, an early adopter of the technology. Miso Robotics has seen a significant uptick in inquiries about the company's robotics and software. And in this episode of the Meat and Poultry podcast, we spoke to Buck Jordan, co-founder, president, and chairman of the company, to speak about the potential of automation to improve working conditions in commercial kitchens, food safety, and the company's most recent innovations, ROAR, Robot on a Rail Technology, and CookRite, its standalone software as a service offering. Tell me about um, Miso Robotics. How did you get into it? Um, we haven't had an opportunity to talk to you before, so could you just give us a little background on yourself and the company? Sure, yeah, I'll, I'll start with Miso Robotics, and I'm happy to go into a founding story if you'd like. Um, sure. So Miso Robotics brings AI-powered automation to commercial kitchens through a robot-as-a-service offering, and now also a standalone software-as-a-service cooking platform to address the, some of the biggest challenges Uh, for the food service industry today. It's what we refer to as intelligent automation, bringing additional eyes and brains to the commercial kitchen to increase production, optimize and track operations and improve health and safety practices. So we provide, you know, we really provide the future focused technology. A lot of operators need to reduce costs, improve customer service and, you know, really have a better dining experience. Now, um, you, I guess the big piece of this was when you launched Flippy and it was designed to 
really with the food safety um, through the food safety lens, it seems like the goal was for consistent cook times and also improving uh, working conditions in commercial kitchens. Um, how did that come about? And do you think you achieved those goals as far as you know improving food surface operations and uh, the environments in commercial kitchens? We, we, I, I well, if I do say myself, if I do say so myself, I think we've dramatically improved the the conditions in the kitchen as well as the food product coming out of those kitchens. And you know, so we've had a bunch of customer wins, of course, you know, with Cali Burger, Levy Group, who's just a massive, massive corp corporation, and of course, White Castle. And you'll see a bunch of other uh, rather large quick serve restaurants, the largest, um, you know, coming out in a couple of months, you know, partnering with us. And so, you know, COVID just fueled this massive pipeline of, of of new customers, you know, but, but when we get into a kitchen, you know, we make life easier for operators, you know, you're no longer, um, you know, sitting over a like boiling vat of oil for an entire shift. That's a pretty tough job. You know, we, we, we take over that, that issue. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, a lot less burns, a lot less, um, you know, uh, you know, OSHA problems, a lot less, um, a lot less injuries in the kitchen and, you know, but, but more importantly, you get like really high quality food, produce exactly to standard. And, and, you know, the problem is, um, you know, pe people focus on the fact that there's a 92% uh, accuracy rate rates on, um, you know, when people, when you give your order to the, the order taker and they put mm -hmm. it in the POS, uh, the point of sale system, um, you know, but, but the real problem is the operators in the back of house, you know, they prepare food, you know, it's pretty wildly different, like, you know, anywhere from 40 to 60% error rates, uh, depending on the brand. So that, you know, that's a pretty staggering amount of, um, incorrectly prepared food. And if you're preparing food incorrectly, you know, you're, you're endangering people, you're endangering the brand. Um, you know, the, there's an incredible stat um, from the CDC that says one in six Americans uh, come down with a foodborne illness every single year. That's 48 million people in the United States alone because of it, which, which more often than not is because of um, incorrectly prepared food, you know, either too hot, too cold, or, you know, what have you. So how did you come you personally come into robotics in the kitchen i mean was it just from the robotics end or you know what inspired this well you know i i really i mean well first of all um miso robotics started based on a bet um, okay uh, so so we um I, you know i i'm i'm i used to, I'm, I'm a venture capitalist too i make early stage investments and uh, i've always believed that you know the best investments um really uh stem from extremely hard problems and there's nothing harder than working in the back of the kitchen and solving the you know this this problem of restaurant operators. And so, um, I was sitting sitting down for coffee with my good friend John Miller. Mm -hmm. um, he owns uh, Cali Burger. It's a it's a California lifestyle burger joint. Okay. And um and uh you know sort of like In and Out, and and I, and I asked him a question. I was like, hey, look, is is labor a problem for you? And he kind of rolls his eyes. He's like, Buck, like, it's 35 percent of my top line. It's my biggest problem. But not only that, every every six to nine months. These millennials quit, so I have to retrain them. So quality suffers. Then, God forbid, one of them brings E. coli in. My entire business, you know, is devastated. And I'm sure you've seen plenty of, of, of examples of Jack in a Box and, sure. and Chipotle. It's it's mm -hmm. can be really bad. And so, so he basically said, so 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 I turned around and said, well, look, you know, like with with the way automation robotics is happening, you know, like that there's so robotics has been dropping. This is in 2016, uh, had been dropping precipitously the cost of it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, human-sized robotic arm. You know, a couple of years prior, it might have cost $100,000, $120,000. You know, in 2016, it was like $60,000, $70,000. But, you know, very quickly, it was going down to like $30,000, dollars 
and even like sub $10,000 for like a, a high quality robotic arm, like the size of a human arm. Okay. And so at the same time, computer vision was getting super, super cheap. You know, you can buy an Intel RealSense camera for $200 and you can tell an Apple from an orange repair and volumetric data so you can grab it. So all of a sudden automation, it was, it was quickly turning into um, a software problem and not a very expensive hardware problem. Okay. Um, which, which, which means that all of a sudden automation can be applied to industries that you, that you never could apply to for. So, so like for instance, you know, food service, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I said, I think you can fix your problem uh, with, with, with uh, robotics and automation. He sees it, he's like, Buck, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure you're right, but, um, but I'll tell you what, if you, um, if you can make a robot flip a burger, I'll, uh, I'll be your first customer and I'll supply your first initial capital for the, for the company. And so we, we rented, uh, not trying to be stereotypical or anything, but we, we actually ended up renting a tiny garage mm-hmm. um, and we packed in there. And two months later, we finally um, flip our first burger with a robotic arm. We bought a, it was, we bought a UR5 and used one and, and uh, did a lot of computer vision work and made it, made it uh, you know, pretty much work. And then, um, you know, boom, uh, he, he wrote the check and Miso started and uh, it's, we haven't looked back ever since. Okay, so I can tell you're a betting man, and but you also have maybe an engineering gene in there somewhere. Is that your background? I have almost no discernible skills. Um, so my my team is like world class team. You know, our our CTO Dr. Ryan Sinet, um, you know, has a PhD from Caltech, uh, focused on walking robotics and human like arm movements. You know, just like an incredible amount of talent on this team from the best universities, Carnegie Mellon, Caltech, MIT, like you name it, you know, we, we recruit the very best and there's literally, you know, nobody, I'll go toe to toe with any, any company in the world. There's nobody who knows more about food automation than we do in building really complex robotics and computer vision solutions. Uh, myself, I'm a poli-sci major. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I walk around and wave my hands and make everything sound like it's really easy. And the engineers have to go do the Herculean work of making it work. Okay. So, but I mean, you, you know, a good thing when you, when you think about it, I mean, when, when people talk about, especially entrepreneurs talk about it's, you know, how they developed a product, it usually it's does start with the problem. You know, what is the problem you're trying to solve? Why should people besides yourself care about it? And then what is, you know, nuts and bolts, what is your solution? And that that seems to be a similar path is that, you know, entrepreneurs have a a different way of visualizing a problem and coming up with the solution. Would you say that was the case for you? Yeah, but but one very important difference compared to other other companies, Mm -hmm. it's that it's that we started with an operator um, on board from day one, you know, my my friend John at Cali Burger. And, um, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of so like. A lot of young entrepreneurs, like they're, they're super, super smart. Like these guys are like, you know, Mensa level um, smart with the, with the technology they build, but like, you know, don't ask them how to flip a burger or what it's like to work in the, in the back of a McDonald's. Like they've never done that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so many startups, like they, they just like, they, they, they carry this kind of hubris around with them because they happen to be like a PhD from whatever mm-hmm. um, that they can figure out how to make a, a, a burger flipping robot and understand that. And so for us, it was really important to have the operator lockstep with our product development every single day. Mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'll give you one example that just saved us a significant amount of time and one of many really. So um, on, on that same demo that, that, that two months in, you know, super early in our company, we, we got in a UR5 
And, uh, you know, us being a bunch of Caltech engineers, I use the word us uh, liberally, right? <laughs> um, uh, we, you know, we, um, we decided to not just, you know, reinvent uh, the, 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 the worker, you know, flipping the burgers, we decided to also reinvent the spatula. And who asked <laughs> us to do that? Like, nobody, right? But anyway, we did it. Uh, so we designed this like double-sided clamshelled spatula that like grabs, grabbed the patty and then flipped it over and released it. We were thought, we thought we were very clever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, um, after we flipped our first patty, you know, kind of crowd goes wild. We're all crammed in this like tiny little garage. And then, you know, John is like, he's like, he's like happy, but he's also like not super ecstatic. I'm like, what's going on, John? He's like, well, uh, you know, great, great work. Can't believe we did this in two months, but also that's not a food safe spatula that you're never going to get that NSF certified, which is national national sanitation foundation. Okay. Um, and you, you can't use that in commercial kitchens. And I'm like, well, all right, so 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 that meant we had to put an open face spatula on it, which then meant that we that we needed to flip it like a human, mm -hmm. and so we, we found out that that the arm we were using didn't have the right twisting speed in the wrist to actually flip a burger consistently, uh, so we had to throw out that arm. Well, you know, it's in storage, um, and, <laughs> but we had to throw out the code, um, and start start all new, start all over with a with a fanic arm, and and so so a, a normal startup probably wouldn't have had that customer interaction until like nine, 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they would have fought their way in front of a customer. And then finally, you know, they would have had that experience. And they would have said, well, boom, that's never going to work. <laughs> you know, so it's really important to have an operator uh, who knows the industry way better than you, like every step of the way. It saved us time and time again. Okay. So then after you got the spatula and the rotational speed of the flip down, then came the 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 roar innovation the yeah. the rail talk about that and what made it necessary what how how did that evolution come about well yeah so so back to the spatula flip for a second i'll come back to roar um the uh if, if you were to google around you know um you you'd find a, a white paper written by caltech and and, and mesa robotics about robots flipping burgers because we actually had to figure out how a human's arm moved to flip a burger um, to mimic that with the machine. So there's actually a white paper out there if somebody is bored enough to, to read it. Okay. Um, but, but Roar, you know, Robot on a Rail was really important because, so we initially developed um, a cart-based solution. It's about 27 inches, you know, kind of square. Um, it's made to wheel up in front of the fryer or the grill and operate it, right? Um, mm -hmm. On wheels because you, you do need to move it to clean things and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we quickly realized that quick serve restaurants was going to be the, the segment of the industry that we needed to focus on because of the volume and a bunch of other reasons, the consistency. Um, and, you know, but, but in the back of quick serve restaurants, I'm sure you've, you've peeked back there before. It's like really, really tight. These things are designed to be hyper um, real estate efficient because real estate is expensive. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so you can't put a 27, 27 inch square uh, machine in the middle of an aisle way. You're going to break all the ADA compliances and you're not going to be, it's not going to be a functional kitchen anymore. Um, so we needed to like find space. And so the only place was above us. Um, so we ended up, uh, you know, mounting the system on a rail, which, uh, which gave, gave the, the robotic arm a lot of movement, which meant it can, it could cover more, um, more area and also allowed us, allowed us to keep, keep workers a little bit more safe because we can keep them separated from the robot. Mm -hmm. Um, and more importantly, it gets, it gets it out of the aisle way. So that was incredibly important, um, for us. Okay. We'll be right back after this message.
explore the meat and poultry processing industry's most comprehensive supplier's directory and buyer's guide, the Meat and Poultry Red Book. You can find it online at www.meatpoultry.com under the Multimedia tab. And be sure to check out our Meat Alternative Trends and Technology Supplement for the most up-to-date developments in the business of alternative protein production. You can find both in the flipbook version of the magazine. And how did White Castle end up in the mix? How, what was that pitch like? White Castle is probably like one of the one of the most innovative industry, um, innovative fast quick serve restaurants uh, in the world. You know, first of all, they're the first quick serve restaurant ever. They invented the category in 1921. They invented takeout, which is kind of funny. Um, and you know, they were like the first people to have an online web store. They're the first people to do the Impossible Burger. Like, um, like they they've got they're obsessed with being first, and they're also obsessed with efficiency. And really, they're obsessed with customer service and creating these memorable moments and so um which is their 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 tagline um so so for us um they were really interested in having and they have a lot of fried products they have like 11 or so it varies by by store but they have like over 10 fried products yeah which is a lot and you know like they they call the fryer the beast it's a tough job Mm -hmm. um and so so they were pretty eager to have us um you know come and experiment and understand um how we might be able to help in the back of house and really allow their their staff members um, a better experience in the back of house and also be able to kind of properly service the front of house and front of house uh, kind of jobs. And another partnership that you engaged was with uh, PathSpot and that that's more in the um, food safety arena. What was that about and why did that partnership make sense? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, so once COVID hit, we started to hear from a lot of customers that that uh, you know, consumers, and this is either from like the biggest biggest quick serve restaurant chains in the world. That consumers moving forward, even after the pandemic, are are still going to be concerned about health and human safety uh, in in their restaurants. So there's a, there's a significant segment of people who just stopped eating out right now, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Um, and so PathSpot is 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 a really important um, partner that we have. Um, you know, so our robot cooks cooks food contamination free. You're never gonna get, it's never gonna give you a coli. It's never gonna give you any kind of sickness. Um, but employees do interact with our robots. So we need to keep our, the employees who touch our robot safe and clean. And so PathSpot is a really cool product. You put your hands underneath this device and it very quickly using computer vision um, gives you a red or green light. You've washed your hands correctly or you have not. And it also logs it, right? And with a name, it knows Buck washed his hands at this time, right? And so it's important because employees just don't track that and they should. Um, and also it just kind of keeps our machines clean and keeps, keeps them safe. And it's just an awesome... Uh, partnership and you know in a post-COVID world where people where this is still going to be an issue I think past spots are really important player. Mm-hmm. And so did the pandemic influence your thinking about how automation could be helpful in commercial kitchens? I mean I know that people are very concerned about the safety of the food. Um, I think COVID kind of brought in this dimension of we're just concerned about what's in the environment, what's in the air. So yeah yeah so you know how did that how did that influence your thinking about automation well i mean it it really uh it 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 really just made us want to made us build faster because because (laughs) uh like a month after the after everyone got over the shock of like covid starting 
mm-hmm. our phone just started ringing off the hook, you know, because all of a sudden you had to social distance in the back of kitchens. Like that's a virtual impossibility. You, you can't stay three or six feet away from somebody in the back of a quick serve restaurant kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's not even, it's not even possible. And, and if you're pretending to, it's just, it just, it's just not even, not even a thing that's, that's even possible without robotics. And so we've received a massive amount of, amount of interest. And, mm-hmm. and so we we're just trying to build fast enough to, to make that happen. And also demand for delivery has blown up, mm-hmm. um, which means that we need to, that kitchens need to increase production and also kind of drive down costs. And there's just people who are not working and showing up to the job right now, right? Right now there's mm-hmm. like, we're missing, <clears throat> pardon me, almost a million people from the US quick serve restaurant workforce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pandemic aside, over the next 10 years, because of an explosion of delivery, which even exploded any more past the pandemic, and, and shifting demographics in the 18, 24 year old workforce, we're gonna miss almost 4 million people from the workforce over the next 10 years. So if you're a brand thinking about automation, <clears throat> also experiencing COVID, and experiencing an explosion of delivery, uh, you must be thinking about robotics and automation. Otherwise, there's no way to keep your doors open. You can't have a failing business if you can't even open your doors and get enough staff to work. Which is interesting because, you know, one of the knocks against AI and robotics is that um, the potential to displace people out of jobs, but you're saying those folks aren't even there anyway, so why not get it? Why not invest in a robotic system. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, like the, uh, so, so typical um, retention in the quick serve restaurant industry is like six to nine months and then they, and then they quit because, you know, this is natural. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone's like specifically on the fryer, it's like two months um, and you've two or three months and, and, and you've just barely trained someone to operate that fryer, you know, proficiently in, in, in that amount of time. And so there's a, there's a lot of turnover that I think, uh, that I think really, really, it, contributes to the high error rate in quick serve restaurants and the high um, kind of cus- and the customer satisfaction, like kind of returns and issues that they have with that. So, um, you know, it, it's just critical. Mm-hmm. So now you're offering uh, software as a service cook, right? So what is it and why should the industry be paying attention to it? Yeah. So, um, so CookRite is, is uh, so primarily we're robotics as a service business, but we're just, this is our foray into software as a service, which in the back of house of quick serve restaurants, it's a complete dearth of, of, uh, of data. You know, like one of our customers gave us this great quote. They said, uh, our data stops the walk-in free- freezer and we pick it up at the POS and we don't know what happens in between. So CookRite can change all of that. One, you know, we, we can tell absolutely every single product going across the workstation. We can count it. We can tell you how many nuggets have been, have been fried today in the next in the, in the 15 minute increments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but more importantly, we can make any entry level worker a Michelin star chef. I'm kind of exaggerating here, but we <laughs> we, can, we can make a um a, uh, a a person cook food absolutely correctly every single time, better than an expert with almost no training, because our system cook right. So it's got two cameras, and it's got an iPad, um, which which is meant to communicate with the operator. And the iPad basically tells you flip this burger, turn that over salt that, put cheese on that. Oh, you forgot to put that in the bag. Like better, better not, better not send it out for delivery. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we can make it, make a worker like cook, cooks, even, even like steak in a, in a fine dining steakhouse, we can make, make that work. So for instance, um, in the steak uh, category, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want to call it a category, um, you know, we, we, we can tell uh, the difference between a porterhouse filet or whatever, uh, we can tell how thick that steak is within five millimeters. We know how hot that portion of the grill is because the grill is not uniformly hot. Um, right. So getting to your medium rare plus is a math problem now. It's not art of cooking. It's not like 
you know, my personal judgment. And, you know, more than that, like we can start doing a higher level of kitchen coordination, you know, think about it as like a kitchen quarterback. So, so maybe you and I are having dinner. I order the well done steak. You order the medium rare plus steak. Um, my steak needs to go on first then yours goes on a minute later. So they both come off hot and fresh, but we both brought, you know, their other guests to the table and, um, maybe they ordered salad and fish or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, cook, right. Can know that those orders are going to take 10 minutes to make yours and mine are going to take five minutes to make. So don't fire our steaks until five minutes have gone by. So that everything comes off, you know, super fresh. Um, so <laughs> we're really able to offer like a, a tremendous tool for, mm-hmm. um, for operators to increase consistency and quality. Okay. So how do you make the case that food service operators still need something like Flippy and Roar if they can have cook right and people? And how do you see possible combinations or scenarios for these technologies to work in the same space or should they even work in the same space? I think they can, yeah, they can absolutely work in the, work in the same space because you know not every operator is doing burgers and fries, and that, that's primarily what the ro- our robotic system does. Mm-hmm. And you know we, we give operators to flex in to operators the flexibility to tap into you know what works for their menu. And you know dark kitchens, for instance, are huge. You know shared spaces where you cook multiple menu items, mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes multiple brands in one kitchen. And flipping and cookwright can plug in to optimize the full kitchen and and at the entire range of restaurants. You know so. Maybe you only want to automate the fryer because you have a high volume, you know, fry product, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that case, you might want to bring Flippy in to operate the fryer, but you might want to have Cookerite to operate the assembly station and the grill uh, to make sure that your burgers are burgers or, or whatever you're making is being is being assembled correctly and make sure your grill is being, you know, cooked correctly too. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to jump into talking about sustainability because climate change, whether you believe it or not, is a hot button topic. Um, how does MISO Robotics um, contribute sustainable solutions? Can you make the case for this being a sustainable solution for the food service industry? I mean, it's really about food waste, mm-hmm. in, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, incorporating precision cooking reduces food waste. And, and so, you know, when you have CookRight, you know, telling an operator exactly how to cook, what to cook it when, you have a lot less uh, errors. Um, you know, so that means less return food and less food that probably falls off the table. And of course, when you're, when you're using um, a, a robot, there's almost no food waste because you're, you're, you're dispensing a precise amount of food. You're cooking it exactly right. So there should be no returns. Um, you know, so, I mean, food waste can be up to upwards of 10% of, a, of, a, of revenue of a, um, of a restaurant. So we can eliminate a lot, a large portion of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, technically, I guess the CookRight system and the cooking, the robotics system, all of those can be connected into like a, an inventory system. So you're basically keeping very granular detail of what's coming, like you said, the, you know, between the, the freezer and, you know, the POS system that pretty much gives an operator granular control over that, over what's happening between the freezer and the POS? Well, let me tell you what one operator I know, um, how, they, how they try to estimate their food waste. Okay, okay. so they have, it starts with a five gallon bucket. <laughs> so they keep a five gallon bucket there. And then whenever, whenever like, you know, there's, there's, there's um, you know, some, order, some food gets miscooked or whatever, or falls on the floor, like they throw it away in this five gallon bucket. At the end of the day, they look at it and they kind of like try to estimate what happened in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous, right? So, so we, can, we can say, no, between 12 and 1230, 
you've sold 1,024 chicken nuggets and 25 pounds of fries. And, you know, I'm giving you wrong numbers, right? But, but precise granular data. We can count every nugget. We can count every fry. We can tell you exactly what happened and where it went. And, and this is a, a, a huge uh, revolution for, you know, inventory management. Okay. So we know more companies are starting to enter the same space for, you know, integrating artificial intelligence solutions in commercial kitchens. So how are you differentiating from your competitors? What's making you stand out, do you think? So, so, so from the robotics standpoint, there's, there's a, you know, you'll notice a lot of people in the food robotics space, mm-hmm. but the vast majority of them are really focused on building their own brands that are robotic first, which I think is actually like, that's the future of the industry, you know, brands that are built from day one to be robotic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like, that's really hard. You know, like, 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 uh, I would trust my team to, you know, to make a world-class product or to, to make a world-class technology, but I would never, never trust them to make a world-class brand. Okay. Um, because like, because like the guys who can make walking robotics and human-like arms, you know, arm movements are the exact opposite people who can, who can make uh, the next, you know, spicy chicken sandwich is going to take over the industry. Um, so, so I just think that like a lot of the, the startups out there who are trying to be their own robotic brands are really kind of double stacking their risk. And I think that's tough to do. And at the same time, you've got people like McDonald's and Yum and Wendy's and you name it, Inspire Brands, uh, who have just thousands and thousands of restaurants, a massive brand, mm-hmm. and they're screaming for automation. And so you've got to, you know, so, so they need to be serviced. And so most people are not servicing those existing brands, which I think is, is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we're, we're highly differentiated uh, in that respect. I, I really don't see anybody chasing us um, sure they are at, at some point, they're just not visible. Um, and so, you know, we, we've got, we've kind of got, uh, I think probably a two year, maybe three year head start in the competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're kind of, um, we're pretty paranoid. Uh, so we're trying to move <laughs> as fast as we possibly can. Okay. <laughs> I want to uh, actually jump back a little bit um, because, you know, you're talking about, you know, the, the typical animal proteins and, and, things like that. Has the plant-based uh, foods out there, has any of that thrown you for a loop? What adjustments have you had to make for cooking those types of items? We're not really sure what, you know, I, I haven't really seen like a breakdown of, you know, you need to cook that plant-based hot dog at this temperature and, you know, what pathogens it's susceptible to. So how are you navigating that? Well, we, we do flip the impossible burger. Um, you know, so, so, so what I would say is that, is that, uh, you know, Flippy can, can just takes direction, you know, like, like, like you, you tell us what the recipe is to cook your impossible burger or beyond whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, so it, all we have to do is we have to train our computer vision to identify it. Cause there's no buttons on Flippy. Like it just looks at it and knows what it's looking at. So we need to train it to look and say, this is an impossible burger. This is a regular burger, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we, we just execute the SOP exactly exactly as prescribed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's next for Miso Robotics? And what do you see as the next iteration of AI and robotics in the commercial kitchen? Well, um, you know, we're currently doing an equity crowdfund, which uh, anybody, any one of your listeners could invest in. You know, the round is, uh, so far, it's about $22 million raised and going strong. You can go to invest.misorobotics.com if you'd like to be part of the journey. And, uh, you know, where all the money is going, you know, we're investing in talent. We're hiring the best people we possibly can. And I think that, I think that what you're going to see over the next couple of years with, with Flippy is, is you're going to see us, um, you know, we've announced today with um, 
with our SaaS product that we're moving beyond just robots as service into software as a service. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also going to see us over the next couple of years and, and months, um, you're going to see us expand into other robotic ser- systems. You know, right now our robot system does the grill and the fryer, but you're going to see it off, off, you know, taking other key tasks in the back of the house to make life easier for operators. Um, so, you know, our goal is to make Misa Robotics the go-to automation solution for anybody in the quick serve restaurant industry. And that's the show for this week. Tune in next week for another episode of the Meat and Poultry Podcast. You can find the Meat and Poultry Podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your favorite programs. While you're there, give us a like and subscribe as it helps to support the channel. And be sure to stay social with us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram by searching at Meat Poultry. I'm Erica Schaefer. Thanks for listening.